the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you're a stone thrower, you don't understand your own sin. You don't understand how depraved you are. And you don't understand God's grace for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a stone thrower. You'd have compassion. And so you've got these religious leaders who just, they're just harsh towards this woman. And they're sinners too. They're breaking the law by bringing her. But they're harsh towards her and her sin. Then in contrast, you've got the response of Jesus. All of us are naturally inclined to be stone throwers. Think about some sin that really bothers you. There's a good chance it's one that you don't struggle with. You simply can't understand why anyone would do such a thing. How do you think Jesus would respond to that sin? How would he treat its perpetrator? As Pastor Dan will point out in today's message, the adulterous woman at the center of today's passage was not scorned by Jesus. He defended her from her accusers, and he wanted better for her. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 8 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. drag her in, barely clothed. They stand her in the midst of this crowd, humiliating her, shaming her publicly. They say Moses and the law commands that she should be stoned to death. And how cold-hearted were these religious leaders to do this to someone? I mean, they have, they have no concern for this woman, no compassion for this woman, no, no respect for her, just, just this just this coldness and this harshness in their attitude toward her. And I think that this this raises a question that we should each ask ourselves, and that is this, what is my attitude toward other sinners? What is my attitude toward other sinners? And And I emphasize the word others because we're sinners too. What is my attitude towards other sinners? Am I cold hearted toward other sinners? Am I, am I harsh with other sinners in my attitude? Do I want to throw stones at other sinners? Or, or do I say, you know what, I, I'm a sinner too. I'm not different from this person. My sin looks different maybe. But I'm just as much a sinner as that person. And, and it's only by the grace of God that I'm saved. Uh, and I'm, I'm just no better and no different than that person. What's my attitude? My attitude says a lot about me and my understanding of my sin 
and my understanding of the grace of God. Because if I understand my sin, if I realize, hey, I'm just a stinking sinner like everybody else that's saved by grace, I'm not going to throw stones at other sinners. But if I don't understand my own sin and my own depravity, and I don't understand that I'm only saved by the grace of God, and I don't deserve it, I'm going to be a stone thrower. If you're a stone thrower, you don't understand your own sin. You don't understand how depraved you are. And you don't understand God's grace for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a stone thrower. You'd have compassion. And so you've got these religious leaders who just, they're just harsh towards this woman. And they're sinners too. They're breaking the law by bringing her. But they're harsh towards her and her sin. Then in contrast, you've got the response of Jesus. Remember, you've got this big crowd there. All eyes are on Jesus. How's he going to answer this question? How's he going to wiggle his way out of this? Can he wiggle his way out of this? Look what happens now. In verse 6, again, it says they're, they're saying this just to test him so they might accuse him. And it says in the middle of verse 6, Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. I love this. Jesus acted like he didn't hear the question. He just ignored them. <laughs> he, and he, he stoops down and he starts writing in the dirt on the, on the stone floor of the temple court there. He starts writing uh, in the dirt, in the dust. This, by the way, is the only time uh, we see Jesus write something in the Gospels. Uh, you know, nowhere do we see that he, he wrote, uh, you know, a, a position paper or an article or a book on theology. The only time we see Jesus write something in the Gospels is here, and he's writing it in the dust. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to disappear in a day or so, right? It's no longer going to be there. Um, I re- you know, when I read this, I think, uh, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be cool to see... Jesus' writing, you know, like his penmanship, you know? Like, I'm sure you, you, it's Jesus, you think, well, he probably had like this beautiful, like calligraphy type. Or may, who knows, maybe his handwriting was awful, right? It could, you know, maybe I can't read what he's writing. He is the great physician, you know, physicians can't really write that well. But, <laughs> but he writes here, uh, he writes here in the dust, And the big question everyone asks when they come to this passage is, what did Jesus write? What did he write? We don't know. It doesn't say. It doesn't tell us. Now, commentators give you all kinds of speculation on what he wrote. But it doesn't say what he wrote. My favorite, um, because I've been reading about this passage all week, my favorite is when commentators explain to you that we don't know what he wrote because it doesn't tell us, and then they tell you what they think he wrote, (laughs) right? What good is that? Now, one thing we can say about this, because we don't know what he wrote down in the dust, one thing we can say is what he wrote here, this act of, of, of writing in the dirt, writing in the dust, this act is a fulfillment of a prophecy that's given in Jeremiah. If you want to turn back there. It's just one verse in Jeremiah, uh, but I wanted you to turn there so you can see it in your own Bible. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13. 
And of course, some commentators speculate that Jesus wrote Jeremiah 17, 13. But again, we don't know what he wrote. Jeremiah chapter 17, 13 says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me, look what it says, shall be written in the earth, written in the dust, your translation might say, because they have forsaken the Lord. Look what it says, the fountain of living waters. Remember just the previous day in the temple? He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is the fountain of living water. And here you have this verse that those who forsake the Lord, the fountain of living waters, that they will be written in the earth or written in the dust. And so you have Jesus here after declaring that he's the fountain of living water. Now the next day he's writing in the dust. Pretty cool, I think. Now go back to John uh, chapter 8. John chapter 8. So he stoops down. He ignores them. He acts like he doesn't hear them. He begins to write in the dust. We don't know what he wrote. Verse 7 says, so they continued asking him. Jesus ignored them and and they continued to ask. Maybe they were getting agitated that he uh, is ignoring them. Maybe they thought, okay, he, he can't answer our question. We've got him now. And they're badgering him now. They're asking him over and over. What do you say? What do you say, Jesus? Should she be stoned or not? Do you agree with Moses? Answer us. So then, verse 7, he raised himself up. And I love this. He said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Now, just so you know, Deuteronomy 17 says that when a person was put to death, the person who was the witness or the witnesses were to throw the first stones. Person who's brought the accusation against them, they were required to be the ones who throw the first stones at the person in their execution. These religious leaders have brought this woman. They've made this accusation. They said, we caught her in the very act. We saw her committing adultery. And Jesus says, okay, you who are without sin, you can throw the first stone. You want to put her to death? There's one qualification. You've got to be sinless. And if you're sinless, go ahead. You can throw the first stone. Now, the Bible tells us that we're all sinners, right? We all fall short. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's not one of us who is without sin. And, and for some people like this woman who's been caught in adultery, some people, their sin is obvious. It's overt for others. Their sin is covert. And it's not so obvious. It's hidden. Maybe it's maybe it's a sin in their heart. Maybe it's a sin in their thought life. Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's coveting. Maybe it's lust. But the fact is, we're all sinners, all of us. Now, it's interesting, you know, where we live and because of where so many of you work and the type of work you do, you are required to be outwardly moral. To keep your clearance, you've got to be a moral person in your life, right? So for most of us here and that are living in this community, our sin is inward. It's not outward. 
Because outwardly, we've got to look right. It's inward. Sin of the heart. Sin of the mind. But we're all sinners. We're all guilty before God. We all deserve God's, God's judgment. The only sinless person in this crowd is Jesus. He's the only one that meets the qualification here. He's the only one who in the crowd qualified to put her to death. And he says again to the crowd, he says, Hey, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And then he stooped down and began to write on the ground again. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Then look at verse 9. In verse 9 it says, Then those who heard it. So it really wasn't whatever he was writing on the ground that convicted them. It was what he said about their sin. That's what convicted them. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, they all went out one by one beginning with the oldest person there, even to the last person. So Jesus stands up. He makes this one statement, you know, who among you, you know, uh, he who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. And then he goes back to writing in the sand and he's silent. And one by one, they start to feel this conviction and they just all start to back away and leave. And then... Look what happens. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. So the crowd's still there, but the the scribes and the Pharisees have left. And it's interesting to me here that, that some of the people or some people that are convicted about their sin want to get away from Jesus. Others that are convicted about their sin want to draw closer to Jesus. You know, this woman is, she's a sinner, but she stays there. The religious leaders are sinners and they don't want to be around Jesus anymore. And it's just interesting how that happens. And that happens still today with people. Some people, they get convicted and and they they don't want to come near church. They avoid people. They avoid the Lord. Others, man, like they want to come to Jesus and receive forgiveness. Some are driven away. Some are drawn closer. It's just how it works. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? I wonder if he said it with a smile. Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. Notice she calls him Lord. And Jesus said to her, look what he says, neither do I condemn you. Now remember, he's the only one there that's qualified to condemn her. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
This passage is so important for us because it shows us that any sinner who comes to Jesus is not condemned by him. Jesus doesn't condemn anyone that comes to him. Doesn't matter what the sin might be or how grievous it might be. The Bible tells us that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And you understand Jesus, he came into this world to save sinners. He came to seek and save the lost, not to condemn sinners. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he died to take our condemnation. When he was on the cross, he was condemned for our sin in our place. He stood in our place as our substitute, substituting for us, taking the punishment, taking the condemnation that we deserve. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 says, for God made him Jesus who knew no sin. He was sinless to become our sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became our sin when he was on the cross. He took our sin. He took our condemnation so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is sometimes called the great exchange. Our sin is put on Jesus when he's on the cross. His righteousness is put on us. And so now we stand righteous in God's sight. Not because of our own righteousness, because we're stinking sinners. But because of the righteousness of Jesus that has been imputed to us. All of your sin was put upon Jesus when he was on the cross. He was punished in your place. He was condemned instead of you and me. And then all of his righteousness is put on our account. So now God just sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. The perfect, spotless, sinless lamb. His perfect righteousness. You know, someone put it this way. They said, on the cross, God treated Jesus like you and I deserve to be treated. So God can treat us like Jesus deserves to be treated. On the cross, Jesus was condemned for us so that we don't have to be condemned for our sins In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. It doesn't matter what you've done or what the sin is or how long you've done it for. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus said to this woman, Neither do I condemn you. I don't condemn you. He's qualified to condemn her. She's guilty. She was caught in the very act. There's no question about her guilt. She knows she's guilty. Just like you and I know we're guilty. And Jesus is the only one who has the authority to condemn her. And his answer to her is, I don't condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. And then he says, go and sin no more. And I want you to note here the order in which Jesus said this. Jesus does not say, go and sin no more, and then I won't condemn you. He doesn't say that. And and there's a lot of people that think that way, that that is their theology. That if I go and sin no more, then God won't condemn me. 
if I get my life straightened out, if I quit doing the things I shouldn't be doing, if I get my act together, then God won't condemn me. That's not what he says here. Jesus said, I do not condemn you. Your condemnation is removed. Now, going forward, sin no more. There's a huge difference. Huge difference between those two. If, if, you, if you think that if I go and sin no more, then I will not be condemned. That, that is a works-based salvation, and that is a huge burden. You, you live under the weight of condemnation. Because when I sin, when I screw up, when I mess up, oh, no, now I'm going to be condemned. But the gospel tells us that we're starting from the point where the condemnation has been removed. The debt has been paid. It is finished. You're, you're free. And now that you're free and the burden is lifted, now you can go and you can sin no more. Now you're free to live the way that God intended you to live. Huge difference here. Huge difference. And I want you to see also here with what Jesus says to this woman. I want you to see that he's not soft on sin. He's not, he's not condoning her sin by any means. First of all, he tells the woman her behavior is sin. He calls it sin. Adultery is sin. Any sexual sin, any sexual immorality, whatever it may be, is sin in God's eyes. God has designed sex to be between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman that are married in marriage. And that's it. Any kind of sexual involvement or activity outside of that marriage covenant between a man and a woman is sin, according to God. That would include pornography. That's a form of adultery. It's sexual sin. He calls it sin. The second thing, and I really want you to see this, he told her to stop. (laughs) He told her to stop. Go and sin no more. Cut it out. Stop. We have the ability to stop sin. Especially sexual sin. Just stop. And we have the ability now, we have the ability now through the power of the Spirit to just live a pure life before God. And listen, listen. If you come to Jesus Christ by faith, here's here's what he promises. He promises to forgive you of all your sins He removes the condemnation. He removes the guilt. He removes the shame. And he frees you now to live a different life. A pure life. A holy life. Where you can go and you can sin no more. You know, BC, before Christ, you didn't have that freedom. I didn't have that freedom. I may have had that desire. I don't want to sin anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. But you weren't free to do it. Now, through his death on the cross and through his shed blood, he has set us free now from the sin. So now we can just go and sin no more. This is his heart towards the sinner. No condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't condemn us. He could. He has the authority. We're guilty. But he doesn't condemn us. But then he asks us, but now going forward, now that you're no, not under condemnation, now going forward, go and sin no more. 
If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray, too, for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you, that they would be protected from the enemy, and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. Though our time with you is at an end for today, we'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. Continue reading in the book of 1 John, or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator, and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world, and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today, and join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth.